Welcome to the First Thought podcast at Galway International Arts Festival. I am Paul Fahey, Artistic Director of the festival, and in this series you will get a slice of the festival you can listen to anytime, anywhere. Tune in for fascinating First Thought talks, First Thought backstage, final hours and more. You can listen back to all episodes via GIAF.ie or find First Thought on any podcast platform. everyone here and thanks for coming out on such a gorgeous Galway evening, typical July day here. Um, uh, I'm delighted to welcome you to the second Galway International Arts Festival uh, Vinyl Hours for this year. So this is our the start of our you know, big, big, we've two more to go after this. My name is Tierney Henry and I host Vinyl Hours and I've been doing it for a number of years and essentially what we do here is um, we, we have conversations with people who have to sit in this chair or equivalent to this chair and walk us and talk us through the musical soundtrack of their lives. And Tom Waits reckons that songs are just really interesting things to do with the air. And in Vinyl Arts, we think talking about those songs is also an interesting thing to do. Um, the, we have everyone that does these, we, what we do is we put up a, a Spotify uh, playlist, which will be up on the Galway International Arts Festival Spotify page as well. Um, so what we'll do is we'll just play snippets of the tracks tonight and we'll, then we can chat around them. And if you like what you hear, please consider making a donation to Galway International Arts Festival, it's, which is a non-profit organisation that brings arts to the people here in Ireland and around the world. So go to giaf.ie and click donate right now. That's the business bit done. Please welcome Elaine May. Um, Elaine is tonight's guest, victim, whichever you, way you want to look at this. She's a songwriter, she's a musician, and originally from Mayo, um, and she's regarded as one of Ireland's top electronic music producers. Her debut album, Home, was released in 2021 and was nominated for Choice Music Prize in 2022. Um, she was here in college in Galway, and she played with a couple of bands then. And she's played in the big top as well, uh, the, the big blue top. And for the last decade or so, she's worked with a diverse range of Irish musicians, uh, both producers, musicians, and singers, um, including Dahi, Meke, La Galaxy, Alvaredi, Law, and Sinead White, amongst many others. Um, and in 2020, she was part of the Irish Women in Harmony cover of Dreams, which raised nearly a quarter of a million euros for anti-domestic violence charity, Safe Ireland. But for now, and for the next short while, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about her musical choices. So without further ado, please welcome Elaine May to Vine Lars. So one thing, I, when, when I get the music from people, when they send me the, their list of choices, and again, I always have to do this, I have to apologize for forcing people to take their, their lifetime of music and boil it down to six or seven tracks. You know, so please accept my apology. Um, and what I love is when, when, the, the, when people send me their music, it's, it's always interesting even to see what kind of themes, if anything, kind of lo leaps out. And right away when I looked at yours, I thought, it's a great list. It's a really, really cool list of songs. And what I love about it is it's bookended by two really big things. And then there's a whole bunch of really interesting things in between as we get and we, we talk about. Um, so why don't we jump straight into it and we get started. So Elaine's first choice is all My Friends by LCD Sound System. I was getting into that. I know. We, we just <laughs> let it play. <laughs> we won't say anything. 
So this is from their second album that came out in 2007. So why this one? Um, there's, there's actually so many reasons, I think, as I was just listening to it there. The main reason is because I think it just reminds me of, like, you know, going to a house party with your friends, like, that kind of feeling after a nightclub when you don't want the party to end and you want to keep going and you're going to go back and there's this kind of, like, you know, excitement building, like, this anticipation, like, you don't know what's going to happen. And I think that song captures it so well. And, like, you know, it's so hard to write a song about something like that. And I think the lyrics just... Like, totally hit the money like even from the beginning set the scene he's just like you know we go back to your house or whatever and you're just like I'm there like I'm in that house I can feel it and I think as well um like musically it's just such a perfect song because it takes you on this journey like it starts off so slow and then you kind of feel the beat coming in and then it just takes you like on this journey and I think for me I have so many like um memories of just brilliant nights at house parties in Galway mainly to be honest um listening to that song because it was there was always like a point in the night where someone would put that song on and I just I love the bit where it's like you know if I could see all my friends tonight and I think there's so many like instances in your life where you're like Jesus it'd be class now if like XYZ was here but then there have been these nights when everyone was there just like in the same room together and I think it's really magical and special I think that song really captures it yeah and I think one thing I love about it and the lyric in it I think is brilliant because as you, you pointed out the, there's instantly everything you recognise and you go, oh yeah, yeah this is exactly. about, yeah. about seeing your friends or this is about what we've been doing for years but doing it slightly differently and everyone catching up and it's all, it's very inclusive. Exactly, you know? yeah, um, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm wondering though, like it, it came out, would, would, would it have been a musical influence on you, your, your, on, on what you're doing? Um, I don't think directly because I think, you know, uh, lots of my friends were into LCD sound system and I think it took me a while to kind of yeah. get on that boat or whatever um i like lots of their music but i think this song for me is a real kind yeah, of one that just yeah. stands out in my mind i think like from an electronic music perspective they kind of stand alone like because it's just they're just so good so yeah. um so i'm not sure maybe they're just kind of in there somewhere yeah. in the back of my brain you know it's a great starting choice though you yeah, I have to say about it as well that i was listening to it there and at the you know the piano at the very beginning yeah, that it's it's slightly off it's slightly it's off, sli yeah. yeah but but also the you mentioned Dahi earlier. Dahi yeah. was doing a show with Houseplants like in the last couple of years, and Sinead, who I've, I've also worked with, she was playing with Houseplants at the time, mm -hmm. and they did a cover of that, and she had to play that on the piano. And I remember talking to her about it at the time, and she was just like, "My hand, my hand," because she literally just like it was seven or eight minutes bananas, like. But she she did it, like so fair play. And I think I, the, I know they've been described as making dance music for 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 grown-ups, mm. um, and in a way, I, it makes perfect sense as well because I think it's 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 still about music that's accessible to you beyond sort of an eighteen or nineteen or twenty. You know, like it's yeah. you know, and because you still want to dance, and exactly, you see, you end yeah, up in yeah. a house and you go, "Don't want the night to end just yet." Yeah, you know? exactly. You yeah, know? and there's a message to it, and I think it's kind of like a mode of dance music which I really love, like because I think there's a lot of you know, just dance music for fun, which is fine and yeah. has its place and that's cool or whatever. But I do love when there's a kind of a, you know, like a deeper message or yeah. the kind of an emotion that you can feel in it as well. Yeah, because it well. there's it a real sense of community. In it, you mm, know? This definitely. is ours and this is us together. You yeah, know? for sure. Yeah. So let's move from Brooklyn. This is, you're going to love this. From Brooklyn to Bally Vaughan for your second <laughs> choice of music. <laughs> and this is a song by Doggy, who you've already mentioned. And it's from his uh, 2016 EP, Tribes. So that's Mary Keane's introduction. And that is Mary Keane. And it's Dahi's granny. Yeah. It is actually Dahi's granny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So why'd you pick this one? Um, again, for a few reasons. So, firstly, it's just gorgeous. I think, yeah. you know, he basically found this recording of his granny talking about um, how she met her husband. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how well you could hear it there, but, like, she just kind of describes that, you know, when she was growing up, it was very much like, oh, you, there's this fella and he has a bit of land and he might be a good person to meet, etc. And uh, that's not how it happened for her. She met a guy in Kilfenora and they fell in love and they got married. And so it's just yeah. a really lovely story. And I think... Um, She's an incredible lady who I had the pleasure of meeting a few years ago. She, she actually passed away a couple of years ago. But um, I think, you know, to be able to take something that's so personal and, like, emotional and blend it into, like, a modern piece of music, you know, that also is true to you as an artist but respects the kind of culture and the history of this yeah. older piece of, of vocal that you have on it or whatever is no mean feat like and I think he did a, a really exceptional job with it and yeah. uh, I think that's the first reason the second reason is that like around the same time we've been playing music together kind of in the same sphere for a long time and you know that track did really well for Dahi like got a lot of radio play and you know kind of uh, was a big deal for him and from my perspective I was just like it kind of it felt like it opened up my world a little bit and then I was like Jesus like you know if, well if he can do it like then maybe I can do yeah, it you know yeah. like it just it's very encouraging I think you know because the whole like can't see, can't be thing, I think is so true. But I think even more closely, like when your friends are kind of doing something that you're also doing, and then you see them kind of making these incremental steps, it's very like inspiring to you, I think. So that, that song kind of captures that moment yeah. in my life, I think, where I was like, oh, maybe this is actually like, you know, more possible or whatever. And I mean, and it really sounds like just particularly at the moment in Ireland, or certainly in the, the, the last decade or so, there just seems to be this really strong community, and it really seems like a community that people just seem to be, you know, everyone's on everyone's records. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems to be so supportive. Yeah. Um, I think that really, to be honest, that like that grew exponentially out of COVID because I think that, yeah. you know, we were all so isolated and there was like people who had been maybe working in silos or with certain groups of people or certain artists for a long time. And I think a lot of people just kind of, that just kind of fell by the wayside and yeah. people made connections. And like, certainly through the Irish Women in Harmony, you know, thing like Ruth Ann basically just reached out to a load of people yeah. and kind of got that whole thing going and, you know, made loads of connections through that. So I think it's something that's become stronger in the last few years, definitely, but it's great. Yeah. And just on the track itself then, I mean, to me, I mean, I think it, it's almost a bit like Gavin Bryars or something, you know, like where he, you know, that stuff that he did with the tramps in London right. and mixing it over the music. So it's this lovely piece of documentary re recording. Mm -hmm. And it's not sitting in a traditional um, setting, it's sitting in this very modern setting, but it works perfectly. And, you know, it, and it's lovely to know that it's his granny yeah, yeah, on a track yeah. that he, you know, and so it's like skipping the generations, mm -hmm. but it's tying them together and it works so well. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really nice is that the, the music is so sympathetic to the voice. Yes. Totally. You know, that it yeah. sort of almost com it comes up out of what she's saying. It does, yeah, yeah. yeah and she's laughing cool. the whole way through, it, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it is amazing. You know. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear what she says. There's a bit in the middle where she says, "I think, I think we thought we were got under a head of cabbage," <laughs> which is just like, okay, I, it took me a long time to figure that out, right, and then yeah. I was like, "All oh, right, I get it now." But um, it's just gorgeous. It's such a nice thing to be able to kind of have. I think. Yeah. Good. So we're going to go back a wee bit for your next choice, back to 1995. And this was the lead-off single we're going to hear is from Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Why this one? Um, well, I'm sure I'm not the only woman of this age who you know, has a strong obsession with Alanis Morissette, but um, I think that album is like, it just came out, it captured so many like 
teenagers of, of that era. I think for me personally, I was like playing the guitar around the time and I just was like, this is just class. Like she was so kind of like raw mm -hmm. and like she didn't sing in this kind of like the usual way you heard pop stars singing. Yeah. And I picked this one in particular from this album because you can hear it there in her voice. Like she's just kind of like practically screaming through yeah. parts of it, you know? Um, and I guess like she was one of the first artists as a female that I saw being really just like herself and really angry and just kind of like expressing all of that. So mm -hmm. to me, it was really like inspiring at the time and I would kind of encouraged me more to play the guitar and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there's just so raw, there's such raw emotion in it. And I, I saw her actually in Ivy Gardens, I think like maybe whatever she played like two years ago or something like that. And uh, it was class because it was just yeah. like, I didn't know if we'd ever get to see her. And then it was just like 15 years old. she was so years. young. I mean, she was, she was only about 20 or 21 when she made the album, you know. And so for you, I mean, obviously, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's obviously such an important album for so many people. And it, I think, again, I think when you, when you look at what was going on musically in the mid-90s, sort of, you know, like the Britpop thing, mm. which was much more male-dominated and a particular type of male voice. So this was completely different. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it wasn't, it was American sounding, but not American sounding as well. And you know, the rawness on it in particular, um, obviously just, caught people yeah. completely yeah it's very original I, th I would say you yeah. know and, and definitely in the way that she kind of like um just the way she sings and vocalizes mm. and stuff like that but yeah i think it's class so you're playing guitar around then yeah and badly. what else were you listening to um, like what was like what, what was your your influence probably at that point up God, like i mean honestly it's probably really embarrassing i think like i, I loved that uh album i was obsessed with that i was also listening to like eminem at the time I still know some of the raps word for word. Uh, anyway, we won't get into that. Um, the I got into metal for a while, so I think I was kind of just like going through yeah, my rebellious yeah, teen yeah. phase. I, you know, whatever. I liked like Corn and System of a Down and all that kind of stuff. But then I was always mad about pop music. You know, I was listening mm. to Tracy Chapman around the time, like whatever Jay Z. I think I had like like just a really weird mishmash. I think my mom was like, "What the hell is going on?" Um, and was it like was the music at home? Or was it just... He, my mum is like a singer and has yeah. a really good voice and would have yeah. kind of like, you know, very much had me growing up around ABBA and the Beatles and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but beyond that, I think I was just... I used to get like, you know, a bit of pocket money every couple of weeks and there was a single... There was a, a music shop in Castlebar and whenever right. we go over, I'd save my fiver and I'd go in and I'd buy... <laughs> Whatever, whatever single yeah. like it was at the time. I really feel like I'm making myself sound I'm very old here. But um, I'd go in and I'd get like whatever it was and uh, and that would be my thing, you know? Yeah. So I have like lots of really naff things on single, I think. But I bet you know every single note on them. Yeah, I do, yeah. You know? Like I, I would always get obsessed with songs. Yeah. Like those, uh, you know that Brimful of Asha? Yeah. Like I had that on cassette and I used to just play it over and over again. And like, I'd play it in the car and my mum would just be like, I'm going to hear this when I'm dead. <laughs> and like, like, I think I broke the tape at yeah. a point. Like, and I'm still the same now. My wife will just be like, oh, that, whatever, this fucking song. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not like hers. But um, yeah, I have a weird kind of obsession with things. I like to get into the, like, yeah. every little harmony and like bit of it or whatever. But I think it's a teenage thing as well. As it well. Is, I think it's, yeah. you know, there's that point where you're starting to figure out who you are a little bit yourself. And I think, Certainly, I think music is one thing that we just become sponges, I think, that we completely immerse ourselves in certain things. And it, it is the most important thing in the world yeah, yeah. until you buy the next one, which mm -hmm. becomes the most important thing in the world. Totally. You know? Mm -hmm. So listen, we'll skip forward a wee bit yeah. for, for your next track. And this is up to 2010. And 
we'll back onto the dance floor if you want. Um, and this is Sun by Caribou. So right on the dance floor with this one. Yeah, I think to your earlier question, like this, this music and that album Swim in general will be definitely like an influence. Um, and I think, you know, that's kind of why I picked it in that. Like you can hear it there in, in that track, there's this kind of like moving synth and like, you know, I think it's just so, takes you on like a journey. And I think for me and probably like countless other um, electronic artists, like thinking about that kind of like, how you can kind of make dance music more interesting and moving and like have elements that are kind of like, you know, panning left and right and yeah. like have this kind of, you know, synthesizers that are like doing all kinds of things. And it's certainly like one of the reasons why I kind of got into like synthesizers and stuff like that. So um, it's just a beautiful album. It's so well put together. And then I think the translation of it to live as well is another mm -hmm. super inspiring thing. And like, I think one of my favorite shows, I've seen Caribbean a few times, but was at um, Body and Soul on the main stage. And it was like, you know, uh, it was like him and then there was a live band and it was just like, okay, like this is like, you know, electronic music, but it's properly live as a drummer and like all this live like instrumentation and stuff. And it was just like, fuck, this is like so impressive, you know? Um, and then it's just like the music is just so good and that track is unreal. And again, yeah. like I remember like hearing this track at, I think it was Forbidden Fruit and it was like, it was all cloudy and I think it might've been raining. I can't remember, but we like, people just basically started chanting sun and the clouds <laughs> opened and the sun came out. And I think everyone was just like, what is happening? <laughs> it was just like unreal. So um, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a moment, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may have dreamed it, I don't know. That but, doesn't matter, it's a good one. It was know? a moment anyway. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I think when, because I was, when I was, I was reading a little bit about this album, and he apparently he had 700 tracks for the album, Jesus. you know, like they were all in different shapes and Jealous. pieces, some of them were, you know. <laughs> but it, what he said as well was, he said one of the things that he wanted to do when he was making this was to get that live feel into it. Mm. And he said a lot of the stuff, he discarded it because he was doing DJ sets and playing parts and mixes and he was going people aren't reacting but they're reacting to that mm. you know so I think he always had this notion that this is music to be played live yes you know this isn't he's not just sitting in a studio looking at a mixing desk or a console or whatever you know some yeah and it, that's really interesting because I think it makes you think about how you write differently yeah. because definitely when I was writing uh, you know uh, earlier in my career especially like electronic music it was very kind of like, this is a loop. And I started off looping stuff anyway. So I was like, this is a loop and I'll put that loop and I'll whatever and then I'll do the next loop. And mm -hmm. so it was all very kind of like, you know, nothing much changed apart from you were adding things or yeah. taking them away. And then more recently, especially when like I'm writing now using synthesizers, what you're much more likely to do or what we I would try to do now is like play a line of something, play it for ages you know, and then like affect it in lots of different ways and, you know, like build it up, break it down, all this kind of stuff, and then work from that. And then it's such a like golden moment when you like mm -hmm. throw in a kick or a snare or whatever, and you're like, oh, shit, like that just sounds unreal. And you've got like a natural build up and things like that that you just won't get if you're kind of like, okay, I've just built a loop yeah. and I'm gonna continue yeah. to do that or whatever. So yeah. it makes it a lot more interesting, I think. And he does that super well. And when you're working then, do you have a, do you have a sound in your head that you're trying to get, or, or as you say, you, you, you worked with loops a lot earlier, but now you're using synthesizers. So are you just kind of, you know, not fumbling, but kind of fumbling around, you know, to expand the thing, to figure out what it is you're looking for. 
and you know it when you know it or do you kind of have a notion in your head what it is you'd like it to be? Um, I would say it's both like I would often get ideas for tracks you know like a little melody or something I'll record it on my phone yeah. and then I'll play that on a synthesizer and then it can kind of spiral from there yeah. um, or I might just go like be writing and kind of just playing and see what happens and kind of work from that um, but it depends I think like I don't know, like songwriting for me just always feels like I'm almost remembering something or yeah. like there's no question to me about whether something sounds right or wrong. I'm just like, oh, that's not it, that's not it, that's it, that's it, you know? Yeah. And, and very often it'll just be like, even on like, I could be writing in an evening and I'd be like, that's class. And then come back to it in the morning and be like, this is such crap. Like, yeah. I really had like too much wine when I was listening to it or whatever. But it's, it's just like, I, I very much do it for myself. You know, it's amazing that like I get to play for other people and stuff like that. But if I don't like it, then I'm not interested. Like I just I like to enjoy it myself, and that kind of guides me, I think. And you you, you work with loads of different vocalists. So do you again? Do you think of them as an instrument almost, as the sound of their voice as an instrument or the type of voice they have? Yeah, I guess so. But I, like, I guess I've been very kind of like I, I would see them as collaborators because because yeah. I, I think there's, there's such a joy in handing something over and not knowing what's going to come back mm -hmm. because. It could be more prescriptive, and maybe I will be at some point, but like, so far, it's been much more fun to be like, here's this thing, see how it feels to you. Yeah. This is the general theme, yeah. and then kind of see what comes back, because then it, it can be just like, you're just like beaming, because this amazing thing has come back that you would never have thought of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, fair play to you. <laughs> so listen, we go on. So when, when Alanis was, you know, eating up the sales worldwide with Jagged Little Pill and Blur and Oasis were doing whatever they were doing, also in 1995, I think some of these things, you, you forget, but um, it's your next choice. It, Bjork released Post in 1995, which was her second solo album. And we're going to play Hyper Ballad, a little bit of Hyper Ballad from that. Sounds like she's singing in the rain. She must have been recording in Galway. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. So why Bjork and Hyper Ballad? Um, she's just such an inspirational artist. And I think, you know, for me, the way that she continues to like, reinvent herself but also like reinterpret or reimagine her own music is just like really inspiring and I, I, I'm lucky to have seen her three times I saw her electric picnic and that was the year that she had like the Tesla coil you know so she had this like built this yeah. instrument that was like reacting with the I don't know energy in the ground or something I can't even remember the specifics of it but like just like what you know like just amazing like like thinking of like what will work and then yeah. building a live show around that um, when I saw her in Sydney, I was living in Australia over th uh, at the time, and she played on the steps of the Opera House, which was just like phenomenal. And uh, that was a time when she had, I think it was like an Icelandic choir, I think. Um, and again, it was just like she's reinterpreting her tracks, you know, and doing them in a different way. And there's a really gorgeous performance of her in London. Um, doing yoga, doing hyper ballad, and it's basically with like a symphony orchestra and it's all strings. Mm. And again, it's just like, oh my God, like here's another version of like this incredible music that you've made. And it's just like, it's it's so inspiring. And I think that, you know, she just pushes the boundaries in, in yeah. so many ways. And I mean, a few years ago, she had the whole like app thing where she kind of released an album on an app and you could like interact with it. And like, it's just like, I mean, she sets the bar too high, really, you know? Yeah. It's, it's it, she's just incredibly impressive, like, I guess, the exact definition of an artist like you know she really yeah. kind of seems to see it from a very kind of high level and um is able to kind of like 
express it in lots of different ways, which I think is really impressive. Yeah, and I think like you were saying about, you know, when she performs, she, like, again, everything is, like, she doesn't have a band. Mm. You know, she has whatever is the notion or the, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think that's really interesting as well because there's so few people, I think, that, that can feel that comfortable with their music that it will change with them, mm -hmm. you know, that I wrote this when I was 20, but it's not how I hear it or think about it when I'm 25 or yeah, 30 or exactly. whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and yet she still can hold on to those things as yeah, well, yeah. you know. But it, as you say, like, she's so interesting and so creative about how she approaches music as mm -hmm. well. Because um, I, I was reading back then, just when she was making this album, when she was recording the vocal for this, um, they, they were they did it in Jamaica, you know, as you would, you know. Um, but she went to the beach, so they extended the, the, her mic cord out from the studio so she could stand and sing to the waves. Class. So that's what, and you're like, <laughs> of course, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I'm sure they went, okay. <laughs> so, and it works perfectly well, you know. Mm. Um, and again, I think, and I think sometimes people forget about her. It's it's how emotional her music is yeah. as well, you know. Like you know, because sometimes like, people get distracted maybe by. By the appearance, mm. but it's it's extremely personal and extremely emotional stuff that she yeah, sings about it, and writes it, about. It is definitely, and I think like it, it's it's interesting that you said that that album came out in nineteen ninety five. I didn't even twig that they came out in the same yeah, year because yeah. like I didn't come to, to to her until I think it was in my late twenties. You know, yeah. I just was always kind of like, oh, it's like you know that one song that was really popular, and I never really kind of got into her. But then yeah. one of my friends was like, she's incredible, yeah. and so we would like you know sit up late watching videos of her live performances and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just such kind of like there's so much to kind of like take from it you know and I think when you listen um and even like if you watch her videos and stuff like mm. there's just there's so much going on that it's like okay like I didn't realize that and now I'm taking a new thing from it and I kind of think it continues to evolve and stuff so yeah she's amazing yep. you know. so we're going to go from Nassau or wherever you know from Iceland to Cork um and Young Wonder is released an album in 2015 called Birth and that's we'll play a little bit of that of a track from there it's just like a, it's a really gorgeous track um, and it came out around a time that, you know, it was very much like going to gigs, playing at shows. I knew Young Wonder, I think I supported them at one point as well. Um, and again, it was just kind of like, this is like a next level, you know? And I think the Irish music scene has just continued to get better like throughout the years. And I think, you know, when Young Wonder came out, it was just like, right, this is like, they're making this stuff in a tiny studio in Cork and it's just like, doing so well and yeah. it's going international that sounds amazing um, and Ian is like still producing and is, is is so good or whatever but I think for me it was just like again right this is like you know this can be done and like you know we can kind of strive to be at that level um, I guess on a personal note as well like my um, wife and I love that track and we had it played as the entrance music to our wedding <laughs> so yeah so it's just a very kind of like it holds kind of a special place in my yeah. heart I think and um yeah, it's just a great tune. And I, I suppose again, like like you say, it, it shows this vibrancy of the music scene in Ireland that and, and it, it's almost kind of this underground thing in a way. It's above ground, but it's underground because you're obviously there's again, we'll come back to that point, there's so many connections mm. that people have. And I suppose one of the other big things obviously is that it's the it's obviously inspirational. Do you know and what you're doing is inspirational to other people and what these guys were doing were inspirational to you. So it goes back to that notion, I suppose, of this very supportive community. Um, yeah, it does. And I mean, Ian produced one of my first EPs and we worked together 
And like, I learned so much yeah. just from being in the studio with him for like five days or whatever it was. It was like probably one of the best things I ever did because, you know, I could see everything he was doing and like so many things that he taught me, I still do today yeah. and stuff like that, you know. He, he talked about that song when he was doing it and he just said it was one of those magic songs that came together in like a half an hour. Like he had worked on a session all day or something and then yeah. like he just was fiddling around with that loop at the beginning mm -hmm. and then it all just fell together in like half an hour those are the ones that you want that like you just don't yeah. get all the time you know but yeah. they're magic when they happen but i suppose they're also they fall together in half an hour but they're the result of well, yeah, all I the hours so. and hours of you know <laughs> yeah, being yeah. able to make yeah. it fall together in half yeah. an hour i guess you know the ten thousand hours or whatever you know <laughs> so um and i suppose that just like when you work then in this do you work in the studio, or is it kind of on a, on a laptop, essentially, or a laptop setup? On a setup, laptop, or, yeah, 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 pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I have a little setup at home, but it's kind of minimal. And laptop, I can just do it anywhere, yeah. 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 And would you like to go into a big studio to do? Um, not particularly. I mean, I'd love to have my own home studio, like, dedicated, yeah. you know, and have, yeah. kind of have that space. Yeah. And that would be definitely be something that I kind of um, aim for in time to come. But I think in terms of going into a big studio, like not really. Like I, I can kind of do everything that I need to do myself with a pair of headphones. Like obviously when it comes to like the production, making sure the mix is good, like, you know, yeah. take care of all of that. But in yeah. terms of writing and yeah. doing it myself, I, I much prefer to like go up to Port New, which is where my, my wife's family have yeah. a, like a little holiday home and just spend a week writing there and kind of do that. It feels a lot more natural or something. And then the writing, do you, well, I suppose because you can bring your studio with you. Yeah. I mean, the studio is always there, I suppose, with your, if you get an idea, you can just pop it into your phone, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I suppose, are you, are you constantly working on stuff, do you think, or, you know, uh, are you yeah. constantly just chipping away and adding things? And, like, at what point do you kind of think, okay, this is something, you know, this is, this could be an album or this could be an EP or... Um, I'm trying to be a lot more intentional. Like, I would say in the last few years, I've been a lot more intentional. When I did yeah. my first album, it was kind of like, it all happened during lockdown. It was like, this is a, this is a good time to do this, you know, because yeah. I have the time to do mm -hmm. it, like, et cetera. So I did that. I think after that, I've just been kind of like, right, I want to limit what I'm doing, like not take on too much stuff. Because I think for a long time, I was like, yes, yes, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then I was kind of like, maybe letting things drop or not, not able to kind of do them all. So now I'm just trying to be like, okay, I'm working on my new album. I'm working on this one track, which is a collaboration and maybe one other thing and that's it, you know? And I'm yeah. just like, unless one thing is done or falls off, nothing else can come in yeah. because um, it's just not possible. I have to try and balance things. So at the moment I'm like working on a new album and I very much kind of like went into it with that intention and with a very kind of clear idea and theme. And like, if something I'm working on doesn't fit into that, then it's not gonna be part of it and that's it. Yeah, that's good. And it's, <laughs> I suppose it's, it's a development, I suppose, for yourself as well. I suppose just as, different than anyone is you get more experienced with yeah. something you know you feel probably more comfortable with everything and I suppose you your does your confidence grow in your own material and your own production oh yeah definitely yeah. um and I think it's something that you never you don't reach an end point like you're always yeah. going to be learning and the landscape's always going to be changing anyway so you're always kind of trying to to kind of keep yeah. um keep on top of things so I think you're always growing in that regard yeah well, your next track is, um, it goes about 20, a little bit over 20 years ago. It's from the Cinematic Orchestra. And I think they, uh, they were a British, they, I don't know if they were ever really a band. They seemed to be a, kind of one guy who would have a lot of people coming in and you know singing and playing. Um, and they've, they've made a bunch of studio and live albums. Um, 
and the song that you, you've picked is called To Build a Home. And the singer's a Canadian guy called Patrick Watson, so he wasn't in the band, he was just the singer that they, they brought in. Um, so why this track? Um, I think it's just such a gorgeous piece of music. I think for me, it kind of like, I, again, I came to it like later in life, and I think, I don't know, I feel like as you kind of like maybe get a bit older and as you kind of start to experience like grief and like loss and all of the kind of bigger human things that happen to us all, I feel like you kind of, you start to realize that like, you know, life is just like a weird mix of like joy and sadness all at once all the time, you know? And, and like, you kind of like, can't ever get away from that. And to me, this song articulates that really well because there's this, there's this, obviously this real melancholy in it, but there's also this beautiful, like gorgeous description of like building a home and like everything that comes with that. But then there's kind of like, you know, the leaves falling off the trees and that kind of like decaying or whatever but like that's just the, the circle of life and I think it just kind of like I mentioned earlier I, I really love kind of emotive dance music and I think like this is such a gorgeous like the piano riff and everything is so beautiful and you, you would you'd hear a lot of that in a lot of modern kind of dance music like there's this kind of more emotional thing running through it um, and I like that duality of like something being happy and sad at the same time um, and that you can kind of tap into either. Like, I listen to that song sometimes and I'm like, oh, it's so gorgeous. And it's like, you can feel this kind of, you know, home being built. But then other times I listen to it and I'm like, this is so fucking sad. Like, it's just like <laughs> devastating. Like, it's made me cry so many times. Yeah. But I think that it's just kind of like, you can pull either out of it, you know? And, and I mean, I, like I certainly hear on your album, because you played, there's a couple of tracks in your album that are essentially, they're very, very quiet. Mm. And, um, you, you know, so they're still within that electronic space, but there's a lot of space within them. Mm -hmm. um, and do you, do you find it difficult or easy to, to pull everything back, so just to leave the space there and to let the song, or let the piece just sit as something much quieter, or is that? Uh, I'd say it's vital to do that, because mm. it's so easy to kind of get lost in a, in a kind of, you know, continually building something up or whatever, but like stripping everything back is just yeah. um, so important, especially in dance music, I think. You know, you really kind of want to give a moment for certain things to breathe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's something that I think I would try and be mindful of. And would you like to try and write lyrics to fit a song, like something as open as that or as, you know? Um, I did, I did write yeah. lyrics back kind of earlier in, in my career and I kind of, I guess it's not that I wouldn't do it again, it's just mm. at the moment I really am enjoying the production side of things. Yeah. And I used to sing, and I never really enjoyed it, if, I, if I'm being honest about it. I always, I found it pretty stressful. As like doing like live loop stuff, I kind of stepped back a little bit from that a bit, but it was extremely stressful. It was like you'd get feedback and it would sound rubbish, and it was just like, and then you couldn't yeah. delete it. You're like, fuck, yeah. I was just like building up <laughs> like a layer going. of shit, like <laughs> just building up like, oh, awful. Um, so when I kind of took a bit of a step back from that and I kind of was got more into the music, I was like, I enjoy this so much more. Like, cause I'm, a, I'm kind of like, I would get really nervous before shows and I like, it was just kind of horrible, you know? Yeah. It was like, I wasn't enjoying it, like the lead up to, and then I'd play the show and I'd kind of get into the show maybe halfway. And yeah. after I'd just be like, oh, thank God that's over. Whereas like now I'm like, I, I enjoy it a lot more. So I think mm. it's been important for me to kind of take a bit of a step back. Good. So we're going to get to your last song. And um, I could just, I think probably would just say this could possibly could be an alternative Irish national anthem. Mm. 
We could all just sing it. Yep. I don't think we even need it there. <laughs> <laughs> so why Fisherman's Blues? Um, why not? Well, it's a song I know in my bones because mm. I used to play in a cover band in Galway right. and we used to play it all the time. So like, I just like, I know it like, all of it, it's probably in my DNA yeah. at this stage. And like when we used to play it, it was, it was um, myself and a, and a friend of mine, two guitars and we'd do harmonies and stuff like that. So I really love playing this one because one, it's like super simple. It's only four chords, which like most of the best songs are. And then like, um, I had a lot of fun doing the harmonies and stuff like that. So it was just a really fun song to play. It was a solid one. People always liked it, like great. And then more recently, like um, my, my wife and I had a little girl, she's like 14 months now and you know, we realized about her quite early on that she loves music, which is just great. Like, yeah. obviously, I was like, <laughs> win. Score. Yeah, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't actually trying that hard because, I, I, you know, I'm kind of like, we have to see who she is, yeah, you know. Let her find herself. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, she loves music, so I was like, great. Um, so I took the guitar down out of the attic because that is where it is now. It's down now, so. But um, I took it down and I was like, what songs do I remember from the, those times? And like, I know, I know this one, so I was playing it and yeah. she, loves it she is obsessed with it like I, we put it on and she's just like <laughs> and i play it on the guitar now and she's just like so i'm like sweet that song is forever yeah. going to be one of my favorite songs and i think i mean obviously i mean that's a fabulously personal connection to it but again i suppose like you're saying it's again you forget this it's 40 years old you know but is it, it still sounds old? Yeah, i know yeah, it still sounds so fresh mm, do you know yeah. um and so current mm -hmm. and I think again you know it's probably as you say it's in all our DNA at this yeah. point I don't think we can get away from it and obviously it's in your daughter's DNA no, I'm <laughs> as well. She's, well, she's well imprinted at this yeah, stage yeah, totally. you know listen it was a lovely way to finish this and Elaine thanks so much for doing this I know you're really busy at the moment so I really appreciate you taking the time for this so ladies and gentlemen please Elaine May <laughs> And we'll have, we'll have the playlist up on Spotify if you want to hear all of the tracks, which I please encourage you to do. And I encourage you, if you haven't already done so, go and get the album. It's a really, really good album as well. Okay, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode. For more episodes, visit GIAF.ie or find the First Thought podcast on any podcast platform. First Thought is presented in association with the University of Galway.